making our way through a Friday, and it's the one that's taking us into the weekend as well. Not just any weekend, the the long weekend. The weather is smartening up. We're back to above normal temperatures for the province, for much of the province. And so, yeah, all in all, good news. Teachers are still on strike, but I, I kind of told myself I'm not talking about the teachers anymore today anyway. Next week, maybe we can revisit it. Well, it seems as though hard times has been a bit of a challenge uh, through COVID for lots of different businesses. Uh, They were affected, and many of them having trouble bouncing back. The Regina Symphony Orchestra adds itself to that list as well. Despite a great lineup this season, the Harry Potter, Ode to the Musical Chicago, of course, classics like Brahms and Beethoven, they have just been given a $200,000 boost in emergency funding by the province of Saskatchewan. So I wanted to dig into that a little bit. We've got the board chair with us, Ian Yates, who is uh, in studio with me today to talk about this. Ian, thanks so much for coming in. Well, thank you very much for having me. I uh, greatly appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's it's good. So, th- you know, I've been to uh, the Regina Symphony many, many times. Usually it seems like it's a packed house. What What's happened that's got us into the place where, I mean, we literally are are about a month away from from having to shut the lights off if we didn't get this boost. Yeah, well, very quickly, um, like many other businesses, the um, pandemic arrived in March of 2020. We don't forget that date quickly. Yes. Uh, and uh, we were pulled through basically through the federal grants of various kinds, uh, supporting wages and, and the uh, uh, while we could not perform. Uh, we did some things like uh, videos and, and uh, circulated them, but obviously not big money earners uh, during that period. And we kind of got back to normal for the 22-23 season. And we had a, a very um, aggressive um, and uh, significant program that particular year. And it transpired that the uh, you know our public, our, our customer base and so on, was not fully ready to come back. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of reasons for it. One, um, at that time, we've already kind of forgotten, but at that time, COVID was not entirely over. Right. And uh, we do have uh, a portion of our uh, customer base, uh, our patrons, who are a little bit older, and they were more vulnerable to uh, COVID and were quite rightly concerned about crowds. Mm -hmm. So we had some showing up with with masks on as, as protection, and some just stayed away. So our audience numbers were way down, and we ended up having to reduce our offerings in uh, the sort of uh, March-April time frame of last year to uh, try and uh, uh, preserve our finances. It was a very, very tough go. Uh, During the COVID period, uh, what reserves we had, which are inadequate at the best of times, but were completely run down, and then we had a loss last year uh, that put us in the hole by a quarter of a million. So... We started this past year um, in not in a good financial space, but we were able to get through on a cash flow basis. Right. But it was very much hand to mouth. That is not ideal for any operation, as you can well uh, appreciate. Yeah. And and uh, uh, and so as time went on for this particular season, it became uh, uh, pretty dire. We had a a special uh, fundraising effort. We got a a wonderful anonymous uh, donation, a matching donation that was uh, provided to us in in November. And the people uh, of uh, Regina stepped up and we we did indeed match that money and it was hugely helpful. uh, And that has got us through this last bit of time. But it's it's an ongoing issue. The the calendar keeps flipping. The the calendar keeps flipping and uh, we do our, obviously our best to manage and minimize our expenses, but nevertheless, they are there. Yeah. 
Ian Yates is is my guest. He's the board chair with the Regina Symphony Orchestra. So give us an understanding. I mean, I'm not asking you to pull out your budget, but what are some of the operational pressures that you faced running uh, the RSO? Well, most of our expenses are associated with humans. Right. Uh, you know, the uh, musicians, musicians themselves. Yeah. Uh, there's a very small staff that run the operation administratively and logistically and, and in production terms and, and things like that. It's not huge. Um, and, and then the other uh, significant expense is the um, uh, rental of facilities, which is obviously just par for the course. Uh, those uh, uh, facilities have to pay their bills, so mm-hmm. Connexus and and we're doing things in Dark Hall, and we've done things in the uh, Roman Catholic Cathedral, and and so on. You right. know, so those are unavoidable right. uh, to do any kind of program. And so we did reduce the program for the current year, and it's not as aggressive as, as uh, the previous years. And things certainly picked up to a degree as the fall went on, and we did uh, really well. For example, the Christmas show uh, couldn't have been better. It was the best audience we've had for quite a while. Uh, January and February tend to be slower months for mm-hmm. obvious reasons, uh, as everybody hunkers down right. into their caves. Or flies <laughs> south or whatever. <laughs> or flies yeah. south yeah. or whatever they, they have to do. Uh, anyway, so um, it, we're basically working on cash flow given the absence of reserve. Right. Do you, Your musicians that are part of the uh, Regina Symphony Orchestra, uh, they're all, that's that's their livelihood. I mean, they probably do some instructing or music lessons or something but but for the most part they are musicians is that correct it is Um, we have two levels of musician we have core players uh, and that's 12 who who get a a monthly stipend for the season yeah and it's a foundation salary for them uh, for that and then on top of that they build um, uh, separate gigs and or uh, teaching um, uh, various students across the uh, the city and and uh, around and about mm-hmm. and things like that and yeah. so they make a living that way and it's very much a little bit here a little bit there and they end up with a uh, a, a decent income at the end of the day but it's tough it's a it's a tough go uh, then our other musicians about fifty odd fifty sixty odd of uh, what we call per service and they are paid specifically for individual performances that they play in right some do most of them and they get as you know certain money accordingly and others just do a few a year and their situation um lacks that foundational in you know salary that the core players have and a lot of them have second jobs or you know jobs mm-hmm. that they have to do during the workday. is this is this something that other symphonies across canada have experienced i mean i can only imagine industries like this which base their whole business model on gathering and getting together when COVID hits and that, that can't happen. Um, is it, are you seeing it's tough for other locations in the country as well? I, I can't speak from knowledge in the generality, but I can with the orchestra world and it's pretty common. Yeah. Uh, the circumstances certainly vary. There are some uh, orchestras that have got uh, significant reserves and they can get through these periods uh, much easier than others. Uh, you know, uh, in the bigger cities and so on and so forth that just have more financial resources. But in the smaller cities, such as Regina uh, and some of the uh, cities in Ontario and, and elsewhere, it, it has been a tough go. Mm-hmm. And and our circumstances are, are not unique. And very sadly, the Kitchener-Waterloo Symphony closed very, very suddenly uh, last fall. It was a shock. Um, nobody was happy within the industry at, at this particular news. 
But it does illustrate uh, the precarious finances that a lot of the orchestras have and how close many of them are. And, and I have to include ourselves in that mm-hmm. to, to the line. So the provincial um, support that we received um, you know, this week has been hugely helpful and will enable us to get through the, uh, this season uh, and, and get ready to launch our new one. So we're very grateful. On that note, t- chatting today with Ian Yates, who is the uh, board chair with Regina Symphony Orchestra. Uh, what is on the agenda? We've got a show this weekend. Uh, what's going on in, in the, for the rest of the season? Right. Our, our season uh, starts in September and ends in May um, every year. And so we have uh, this particular weekend, to, to actually today and tomorrow, is a Harry Potter uh, performance. That's a very, very big show. Uh, it's sold well, and I think uh, people will absolutely enjoy it very much. And then uh, later on in the, uh, in, you know, as, as the winter turns into spring, we have um, a, a dark hall event in, on February 24th. Um, not many tickets left, but we have some. And then... Uh, That's a good sign. That That's is, a good problem to have. It, it's a yeah. nice one to have. Yeah. Uh, March 16th, we have a Celtic special at, at Conexus. And then we have two classic concerts in... Uh, in May and sorry, in April and May, uh, Brahms and Beethoven. Mm-hmm. So there's those coming up, which will finish off our season this uh, this particular year. And what we're doing right now is uh, adding up uh, the the expected costs uh, for the program that we're putting the fine uh, tune touching uh, touches to, and uh, that will be out uh, probably in uh, late March, early April. Good stuff. People can book their uh, tickets with subscriptions uh, and and buy individual tickets for the individual shows uh, as they wish. That's good. And the, web, the website, the best place to do that? It is. You can certainly call the office, which is, uh, you know, easily available sure. uh, through that website and, and make uh, direct purchases and uh, kind of go from there. We have noticed uh, in recent years a increasing tendency for um, uh, folks to buy tickets for individual shows and not for the subscription uh, okay. model. What that used to be normal and what people would do, um, but it has ebbed off and and people. Um, so it's more last minute, right? Type thing, which and is I never think, easy when you're running the business. No, and I think it's reflective of the hectic lives that we we all have. I mean, I contrast it with my own, uh, you know, young adulthood and, and yeah. childhood and so on with my parents back in the day, and it. It wasn't like it is now. Right. It's it's a much faster pace, and Lots there's a lot on. of demands on people. Yeah. Well, we listen. 115 years, Regina Symphony. Is that correct? Uh, yes, I it think is. 115. So this is uh, an incredible history uh, in and around uh, the city of Regina and around Southern Saskatchewan, of course. And so um, appreciative that the province was able to give you some emergency funding, and hopeful that. Uh, you know the incredible product that you churn out with the uh, the players. The symphony will continue to draw the crowds and uh, continue to show the success for another 115 to come. Ian, well, thank you very much for that. I greatly appreciate yeah. it, and I I just will underline: please buy tickets. We want to see you there, and if you are of a mind and can afford it, donations are crucial to our survival. And again, the website, a good place to do that. That's a good place to do it. Ian Yates, thank you very much for coming and joining me today. Thank you. Talking about the Regina Symphony Orchestra, which of course has shows tonight and tomorrow night. You can still, are tickets available for those or are we sold out? Yep. They're still, available. Still a few. So you can grab them again, go to that website and check it out. You're listening to 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.
Working our way through the lunch hour on a Friday, right before the long weekend. And I really appreciate the fact that you were able to join us for parts of the discussion that we started out bright and early this morning. 8.36, we had Lori Carr, the Minister of Highways, for the province on. Of course, I wanted to talk about the fact that the Federal Environment Minister made a comment. Stephen Gibo had said, our government, our federal government, will not be investing in new road infrastructure. And so from that, of course, the wheels fell off, so to speak. People are saying, what? How is this even possible? Of course, he tries to walk it back. Uh, we wanted to dig into that a little bit from a provincial level and find out how is this going to affect us here in Saskatchewan. And as you heard from Minister Carr this morning, the province does get, as she put it, envelopes of funding, and that's not like, Envelopes of money slid under the door. They just call them envelopes of funding towards highways. And so, yeah, I mean, we obviously that along with the fact that, you know, there's this unrealistic push for electric and hybrid by 2035. You've got Charlie Angus of the NDP federally talking about the fact that maybe we need to move away from any sort of advertising or promotion on fossil fuels, which is a complete to me, stick your head in the sand thing when it comes to Again, excuse the pun, when it comes to the importance of oil, gas, fossil fuels, energy, and how it's produced in our country. And, of course, giving you the chance to weigh in on that, to me, is always the best part. We actually threw the question out, are Canadian politicians out of touch? And a lot of you texted in and said, I don't believe this one is or this group is, but... On this hand, they are. Pete and Craven, actually, during Bugs and Hugs, was continuing the conversation. He said, I went to the store yesterday, pur- purchased a cantaloupe for 5 bucks. Trudeau stays at a resort that costs $9,300 a day. You want to talk about a disconnect between Canadians, str- Canadians struggling to put food on the table and a roof over their heads and a prime minister who's never worked a day in his life? So there's frustration out there, for sure. And I appreciate the fact that you all were willing to... Dig in and share your thoughts. Well, we're going to have a long weekend. We're going to come back on Tuesday, and we're going to talk about a few different things. We're going to talk about culture in hockey. Is there a culture problem? We're going to talk about shelters in Saskatoon, which has been about a hot topic. Saskatchewan Health Authority has made some recent announcements about new beds. We'll talk a bit about that, and all of it will have the opportunity for you to join the discussion. Well, Chance, we made it. Chance Aspen helping us out uh, in the tech booth. Yeah, Brett Horton has been in there supervising. At least that's what he says he's been doing. Brando Queering, Frank Ayler. We've got a group of great tech producers to help us out. Brittany Cafe, Libby Gray, who put together the elements of this show and what we're going to talk about each and every week, and we appreciate them. And then, of course, just overall programming from Dallas Dole, Murray Wood. It's a good team, and you are here every week to join in the conversation, and we will forever give you that opportunity because that's what makes this such a great opportunity. Monday to Friday, 8.30 to 12.30 every day. Thanks for joining us. Hope you have a great long weekend. You're listening to 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.